Once I started doing TBM, I showed up differently dating. You just have to keep saying no. For me, it, my number one thing was I need to feel chosen. If someone doesn't choose you back, they're not your person, and that is okay. You need to choose yourself. From To Be Magnetic, this is the Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. And your host, Jessica Gill. As the leading destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back, everyone, to the Expanded Podcast. Jessica here. I want you to sit and think for a minute. What are the relationships in your life where you are not being chosen, where you're settling for breadcrumbs, you're waiting around for someone to choose you, to put you first, to prioritize the dynamic with you, but their actions are clearly showing the opposite. This could be with a friendship, a romantic situation, a dating relationship, a family dynamic. Start to really think about the places in which you are settling for not being chosen and ask yourself if you are even choosing you. On today's process episode with TBM member Megan, who was my Jackson Hole winter vacation trip expander, she dives into how her anxious attachment style played out in dating dynamics and how she kept settling for people who were just clearly not choosing her. And when she decided to choose her, when she put herself first, that's when things really began to shift and she was able to manifest her dream partner, who is now her husband, her dream wedding, and her first child. There is lots to learn in this episode and covering every single step of that dating process. And anyone who you know, may not be calling in a partner or manifesting that dream partner, apply the same relationship dynamics to your friendship, your working environments, your family dynamics, because feeling chosen in those relationships are just as important. And where in life can you start to choose you a little bit more? Enjoy the episode. And now a word from our partners. So as you guys know, we are obsessed with sustainability. And one of our favorite products we've introduced in the last year is Bite Toothpaste Bits. So Bite set out to create a product that is in a refillable glass jar, completely recyclable, and 
has the cleanest toothpaste on the market. They are dry toothpaste bits, so they don't need the water, which means they don't need any additives or preservatives for the water. It's 100% clean ingredients that are sulfate-free, palm oil-free, glycerin-free, a lot of things that you'll find in other natural toothpaste. I love how convenient Bite is. It will just deliver to your doorstep every month or every couple of months, depending on how big your package is. You can travel with it. So if you're moving around a lot, you don't have a huge tube of toothpaste that you can't even get through security most of the time. You just have the little bits. They're so easy. You just pop them in, take a bite. It'll start to froth up. You can brush your teeth with it. And my teeth feel so clean afterwards. They've also never been healthier. I really attribute that to my good oral health care with Bite Toothpaste. And if you guys are interested in testing them out, we have a special offering for our listener for 20% off your first order with code MAGNETIC. That's capital M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C. Again, the code is magnetic for 20% off your first order. You can go to trybite.com backslash magnetic and see all that Byte has to offer. As you guys know, we are huge fans of Beekeepers Natural over here at To Be Magnetic. They are an all organic natural bee products company that really helps support our brain, gut, health, immune, etc. One product I've been leaning on a ton is their Royal Jelly Brain Fuel. So oftentimes when I'm in states of intense stress, my brain is so active during the night that I have a hard time falling into deep REM sleep. And whenever that happens, I know I'm going to wake up with brain fog. And one of the best, cleanest ways I've found to clear brain fog is with this Royal Jelly Brain Fuel. It is a proprietary potent blend of Royal Jelly and adaptogens that really help cognitive function. So all of these things together work as a powerhouse to support your brain in a way that doesn't give you jitters, you're not shaky, whereas like some other brain fuels will add that to you, especially if they have caffeine in them. This is just a very clean way to enhance your mental clarity and focus. It is completely clean. It is the best way to support your brain, especially on those days when you have a lot of stress or maybe you didn't get the rest that you needed and really helps to reset you and completely change your day ahead. So if you want to try out the Royal Jelly Brain Fuel or any other Beekeepers Natural products, you can use the code TBM to get 25% off your first order. That's TBM for 25% off your first order. Or you can go to beekeepersnaturals.com and use the code TBM to get 25% off your first order. All right, on to the episode. Welcome, Megan. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Same. So, you know, if anyone heard my winter manifestation story, Megan was very, very vital for that process to happen. She is the Jackson Hole blogger that many people have asked me about that are like, probably have gone to your site to be like, where should I go? What do I do? And it was so funny how we connected virtually and then got to meet in person. And then from there, hearing your manifestation story, first about your wedding, which I was like, whoa, that's so expansive, how everything came together. And then really hearing the nitty gritty of how you manifested your partner, which I think for anyone, we get so many questions of like, I'm in a small town. I don't think I can meet anyone or, you know, it's not possible for me. You are such a beautiful example of that. 
Well, I'm, I'm so excited to share my story because honestly, when I started TBM, that's why I started. I was like, I want to find a partner. I live in this beautiful community. I have this amazing life and I don't want to leave. That was the one thing that was like a lot of people were like, maybe you should leave to like find your person. So when I started TBM, it was like all about finding my partner. Uh, okay. So how did you get introduced to TBM and how did you navigate going through the workshops? What did you start with? And what was the first, I guess, maybe moment where you were like, holy shit, I didn't even think about that. Like, I didn't recognize that that, that piece could impact my partnership. Well, first of all, I was like introduced to kind of the manifestation world and like the energy world a couple years prior to starting TBM. And I started at the beginning of 2019. I listened to the Mark Groves podcast that Lacey was on. And I was just like, this is the missing piece because like I had done the manifestation work. I had read all the books. I had a Reiki healer that I went to every Wednesday. My life was so awesome in like literally every aspect except relationships. Something's missing here. And I was like, what is it? And then when I listened to Lacey kind of explain the process briefly, I was like, I need to sign up. I need to start. So of course I started with the love workshop and then, yeah. And then I started or I finished the, that workshop and I like immediately manifested this boyfriend who I thought was my person. And I was like, this was amazing. Like, I love this work. And then I remember her talking about be a big shiny carrot and he ended up being that. And that was after like three months of dating. How did you know? Because we also get a lot of questions too. Like, I think I found my person, but like, is this a red flag or is this our shit is starting to come up in the relationship and we need to navigate through, you know, just to give some clarity around for people who are like, I can't tell, like it's early on, but you were dating for three months. So you were like in relationship, you know, how did you discern? I had worked with Amanda about attachment styles and so I didn't start working with her until after this breakup, but my attachment style is anxious. I was constantly, I don't know, I was just in like an energetic space with this guy where I was kind of like, okay, if I can make it past three months, he'll be my purse. I don't know. I just kind of, if you have to think about it or question it, then maybe it might be, or like give yourself more time. It's really important. I tell my friends now who are dating, once I started doing TBM, I showed up differently dating. And I wasn't so much like, this is my person after like a month. And I do think when I manifested my, my now husband, I remember after like three months, three, four months, six months, I was just, the difference was I was so calm about it. And I was like, this guy's never leaving me. It was just very different than when I had showed up before. Yes. Okay. I want to backtrack a little bit. So what is your astrology? And what is your childhood background and upbringing? Because I think understanding a little bit there in relation to the love dynamic, anxious attachment, like how do you think you got to that attachment style or anything that informed it? Okay, so I am a Scorpio sun. I'm a moon Pisces and I am a Sag rising. Fantastic. How are you feeling impacted with, I think like Saturn's going into Pisces, so are you feeling a shift? Are you noticing anything different? I feel like maybe, I don't know if it's the timing with like me now being in the second trimester, but I just feel like I'm fitting <laughs> into this like new role as a mom to be. And I feel like with the spring and the changing of the seasons, and maybe it has to do with that too, that I just feel excited about like the new phase in my life. 
Okay. So background and upbringing, where did you grow up? What was your dynamics? What was modeled to you in relationships? Because I think that's such a good entry point for people who are out there right now thinking like, I'm manifesting a partner. Well, let's see at the very first core, like what were you modeled around relationship dynamics and what role did that play? Yes. So I grew up in Ohio, Midwest girl, and I went to an all-girl Catholic school for high school, which had a lot of, I think as an adult in doing this work, there was a lot of like unblocking around that. But my parents had been dating. They started dating when they were like 11 or 12. So they've been together like their whole life. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't want to settle down like in my 20s, but I just thought that like by my 30s, it would happen because that's like what was modeled to me. So I had a hard time when I was older being single for that reason. And I grew up with an alcoholic father. And I think a big thing with a child of an alcoholic is when you realize that they're that they're sick and that they, you know, have a drug of choice, whatever it is, you realize that you think you can do anything in your power to make them to to stop doing that thing, like to stop the addiction. And so as a kid, I just remember like, if I'm on my best behavior, like maybe he won't drink. If I impress him with sports or school or whatever, that like he'll stop drinking. And so you feel like you're not chosen. So I feel like when I showed up in dating as an adult, I was choosing guys who were not choosing me back. It's also like you said in the beginning, the feeling of there's this elephant in the room. And so if you're choosing guys that aren't choosing you back, but you know that when there's an elf in the room, we don't really talk about it. You're not going to necessarily go and confront the guy and be like, hey, are we both mutually in this? I really want a committed relationship. Are you sure? So I'm sure you were probably avoiding those conversations. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like I avoided it all the time. And I feel like I was kind of, I choose guys that like truly had their own addiction issues, or I would choose these guys who like kind of put me in the friend zone I just kind of thought like, oh, if I just, again, like show up and I'm like my best version of myself and I like can be impressive, you know, show them all these cool things about me that they'll eventually choose me. But after doing this work, it was like, that's not how this works. (laughs) You need to choose yourself. Yes. When did that click? Like, I'm sure you started seeing the pattern. Okay. Okay. And then you're in that relationship for three months. When did it click? Like, oh shit, I am reliving this whole dynamic from childhood. And now in order for my person to come through, I need to choose myself. And this is going to feel very different and probably scary. How did you make that shift? Essentially, like after the shiny carrot broke up with me, kind of, I thought like out of the blue. And then I saw him the next day or a couple days later with another girl. So of course I went right back to the, I'm not chosen. He chose, he chose someone else. And at that point, like I had been doing this work for a couple months, but I also had done like a lot of personal work before TBM. And I thought that I had unblocked and I had done all of the things that I needed to do. And I just remember being like, I need to start fresh. And I remember thinking about in, in one of the DIs, it's like you put all of your partners around the bonfire. And I remember like I dated all of these guys and I thought that they were all so different. They hadn't some like that was similar is like how they made me feel and how they treated me. So I was like, okay, these guys are all like on paper, probably pretty different. But to me, they made me feel insignificant and not chosen. So that's when I was like, I have got to show up differently when I'm dating. 
How did you start implementing that? What were the small, I don't know, ways where you were like, okay, that's a no, or I'm going to speak my needs here or, you know, and did it show up in maybe work or friendship as well? I think being aware of these shadows and blocks that we have is so powerful because once you have that clicks in your head and you're like, okay, I'm going to show up differently. But then when you're presented with it, you're like, this is still really, really hard to make that change right away. So I think new guy came into my life and I'd just be like, okay, like I really like this person, but I know that I have an an anxious attachment style. So I need to pump the brakes myself. I need to not text them all the time to like, make sure that we have plans, find out what they're doing. Like they need to show me that they're choosing me. And so I had to choose myself. So I had to be like, Megan, stop doing that. If a guy is interested in you, he will make it known. And so I had never seen that before because I always kind of chased the guy. I was like, this is so hard to do, but I need to let them show me that they're choosing me. And then that's when I will know that I'm like, okay, let's take the next step and the next step. Like instead of rushing from like, is this my person? I need to know right now until like, okay, well, did he show up? Did we have a good date? Did he call me afterwards? Okay, I could show up again. Let's see if he wants to show up again. And if he would, it was just like progressive to the next step, to the next step. Like I, I gave myself some grace with the dating process and just told myself I need to chill out. I love that. And I think that's a really actionable tip for anyone who may identify as having anxious attachment or who gets too excited too early or someone who doesn't feel chosen. Let them show you. Just by you saying, I don't need to check in with them to prove that I'm chosen they will show me. It will be abundantly clear. I can just sit back and keep choosing me and keep choosing me and keep choosing me. And then I I did kind of force myself to have those hard conversations with people earlier in relationships where like, hey, like, I just want to let you know that I really like you. This is what I'm feeling. This isn't just like a friend thing and just like letting them know. And I think TBM really taught me if someone doesn't choose you back, they're not your person. And that is okay. I was always so fearful of like these tests and I'd be like, well, I'm not going to get another test. And it's like, no, you will. And it's going to be better. You just have to keep saying no. For me, my number one thing was I need to feel chosen. I love that idea too, especially when the test is like so close. People are like, it's close enough. I'll just take it. It's fine. But that that discernment between is this fully what I want or not? Are you going to go back and play small? Are you going to lean into that almost like lack mentality that there are no good guys, especially coming from the small town? Like that must have been really hard to bolster that trust muscle. Did you have a lot of expanders for people who were dating in a smaller town? You know, how did you really stick to that no, even when it felt like your dating pool felt a bit limited, maybe? Well, first of all, my I have such a great group of friends here. This community is like amazing. And all of my friends, all of my girlfriends have found their partner here and they truly are in like amazing relationships. So I was constantly surrounded by expanders, just watching how like their partners would take care of them or show up for them or choose them or what or whatever. I was like, that is what I need. And there's like no going below that. This is my bottom line. Like I need to be chosen. And there was one, one really, really hot test before my husband who <laughs> he, at the time he was like kind of coming back and forth to Jackson and 
it was in between those times where he wasn't calling me. I wasn't hearing from him. So like from doing this work, I was like, I think this is a test because I need to be in more communication and feel like he wants to see me and talk to me, not just when he's here. So I knew he was a test and I just had to say no to him. That's when I met my husband after that. How soon after you said no to that test? Well, to be honest, I said no to him actually after I met Adamo. So like I remember when Adamo and I met, he was so engaging with me. I felt like I was talking to an old friend and he was so interested in me almost to the point where my nervous system was like, wait, is this too much? Because like I had never, that had never happened to me before. But then on the other hand, I was still kind of like hearing from this guy. And I just remember I was like, I haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks. I, Megan, you need to choose the guy who's choosing you. I'm going to go with Adamo and like, I'm going to tell this guy like, hey, sorry, not interested anymore. And that's when I really leaned into that trust and the knowing that like, okay, this is what I asked for and it's here. So like, let's see what happens. I think it's so interesting to the energetics of having multiple dating prospects at the same time. Obviously don't force it if it's not naturally happening. But I think in the day of like dating apps and being able to talk to people online or go out on different dates, you can have the option of maybe kind of starting the dating process with different people. And for someone who maybe leaning in the anxious attachment and that is more of a place of empowerment because you're like, I'm not fully attached to any of you. I'm kind of witnessing and seeing what feels right. And then I can make a decision from that place. I've seen that work with a few other people too, where you kind of need a couple different options. It's almost like interviewing for a job, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was kind of like, I put myself first. So I was like, how are these people showing up for me? And I'm going to lean into the one that like feels better and that's what I want. And ultimately I chose the right thing. But I think that's because I did this work (laughs) that I had to get to that point because I know my old self would be like, yeah, let's go with the guy who's like kind of pops in and out of life. Like he's super fun, but like he wasn't actually choosing me. That's why it's so important to pull back so many layers and really get clear on what you authentically want and the type of relationship you want because you're manifesting from the level of your inner child. Your inner child still needs wounding and maturing and all of those things. So manifesting from that place, you're going to manifest the guy that's not really choosing you because you're just repeating this pattern, repeating this cycle. And I remember talking to Amanda about this after a coaching call. When your manifestation comes through, like it may feel really uncomfortable. I remember that with my now husband. A couple months in, I remember my subconscious kind of being like questioning a lot of things, even though I was like, he is showing up exactly how I want him to show up and need him to show up. But I had never really been modeled that. So it was new to me. And so it kind of like freaked out my nervous system a little bit, but I had to be like, calm myself down. The DIs were so helpful for that. But let's just try, you know, go on another date. Just continue to see how this person shows up for you and how you're showing up too. how like I showed up for him. But I do remember being like my brain just picking at the weirdest things being like, I don't know. I think he calls you too much. (laughs) You're like, he's too nice. And I'm like, no, Megan, that's like what you were manifesting. But I think that's important for someone who has an anxious attachment style who has never had that before. Cause then when it shows up, you're like, whoa, this is different, but it's actually right. 
Yes. Okay, wait, go back and what was on your list? Because I think that'll help as you're going through that early dating phase, be like, nope, that was on your list. That was on your list. Like make it crystal clear that he was your manifestation. I mean, like just things that are like adventurous, loves to travel, adores me, cherishes me, honors me as like a, as a woman, as a person, loves my family. My family loves them, shows up for me every day, shows up for us every day, wants me for me. I I, like, I didn't want to feel like I had to change who I was to impress anyone. I was kind of sick of doing that. Secure attachment style, because I knew I was an anxious attachment style. (laughs) ready for love. Like, I feel like I dated so many guys that were like, just having fun. And I'm like, no, I want a guy who like actually wants a relationship and he wants to start a family. I put unique name, which I don't know why I put that on, but his name is Adamo. I know. So funny. When I started TBM, I had, this had been tweaked after I broke up with the the shiny carrot. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from him that you tweaked the list? Like, what did you tweak on the list? I think it was big on like communication because he clearly, he broke up with me out of the blue over dinner. And I just remember being like, why didn't you tell me anything was like going on before this? So that was a big thing. It was like being able to be like emotionally available that they can communicate with me when they have things that are bothering them or, you know, they want to talk about us or whatever. So that was huge. And there was also the piece about They had to be in Jackson Hole or willing to move, right? I actually didn't put that on my list, which is interesting because I think that just goes to show you that the universe like will make it work for you. Because I also was open to anything. I didn't want to move, but I didn't have to put that on my list. I think like the universe knew that he'd be imported here. Okay, okay. So talk about how you guys first met what you felt when you first sort of connected and then you already started kind of going through, but you were like, okay, this is my person. I think maybe, but also I'm kind of nervous in this new felt sense with him. How did that all play out? So I, it was July, 2020 and the world was, you know, crazy. And I had no intention at this point of like meeting anyone new. It was like, you know, middle of COVID, my, my brother and sister-in-law had moved here for the summer and I was just really focused on spending time with them and, you know, my little like COVID pod. And so we got up the courage to like go see friends that weren't in our COVID pod up in Big Sky, Montana. And I just kind of got on Bumble to like truly be expanded because so many people had moved, were starting to move from other areas to these small mountain towns. And so it was almost like this new crop of like potential suitors. I just remember being like, I'm not interested in like meeting someone right now, but I just need to expand my mind that these guys are available. They are looking to have a relationship. So I matched with Adamo when I was in Big Sky because that's where he was living. I remember the internet was like really spotty. So like the messaging wasn't really working. So I kind of just sent him my phone number. And I was like, Hey, you can text me if that's easier. Again, no intentions of meeting anyone. I was leaving the next day. So I came back to Jackson and work exploded. It was so busy. And about a week later, he sent me a text message. And I just remember being like, who is this? And then I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a guy like matched with on Bumble. And I was of course kind of like rolled my eyes. Oh wow. He took like a week to contact me. This is kind of annoying. So then I just started texting back with him. And I feel like it really felt like he was like an old friend, like I had known him. 
it wasn't, there was no game playing. It was just like a really fun kind of fun conversation. And since it was COVID and we lived four hours apart, this is crazy, but I had this ping and I was just like, what if we have a FaceTime date? Everyone was FaceTiming that time. Like everyone was Zooming. So it wasn't too weird. So we had a FaceTime date and I remember I sat in my backyard with like a glass of wine and had this lovely chat with him. I also remember being like, you're like way better looking than your pictures. And he was like, yeah, those pictures are from like 10 years ago. I was like, cool. (laughs) Don't (laughs) judge people by their pictures. You never know. (laughs) I know you never know. But he was like, he's a dude. He's like, you know, we don't take pictures of ourselves. And I was like, cool. You were a 20. I matched essentially with a 22 year old. (laughs) (laughs) We had a couple more FaceTime dates. And again, it was just like a weird time to like be meeting someone new with COVID happen happening. And we decided that we would meet at this fishing lodge that has like an outdoor restaurant. It's like literally smack dab in the middle between us. So we went and I got a glamping tent and I was just like, if this guy's cool, he can come back with me. If I'm not feeling it, I'm just going to tell him that I'm driving home, but I'm just going to go sleep in this tent with my dog. So we had like a great conversation and Again, I was like, nothing's going to happen in the tent, but like I'm showing up differently, like things are going to be slower. And so after dinner, I was just like, yeah, you can stay there with me. And we just stayed up all night talking and just had like such a great time. And he's like, would it be okay if I came down to Jackson and made you dinner? And I was like, oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. And so I just kept it slow for like the first couple months and we'd see each other like every two weeks. And again, it was like, if I had a good time with him and like, I wanted to see him again. I'd let let him know that. And then I'd also check in like, hey, how are you feeling about this? And he was like, yeah, like, let's just see where this goes. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I met my person. This is it. You know, we're getting married or whatever. I was just like, okay, I could do this again. I could do this again. I could do this again. And so then, yeah. And I, that's when I think when I decided I was like, I really think that I, we could, I could see this like happening long-term. Like we are working things out like long distance. I think this is possible for me. That's when my, uh, my brain started picking at weird things. He's too nice or he's too good looking or whatever. (laughs) I had not been in a relationship like that. So. I think that's so helpful for everyone listening because I think in the beginning, even the way you said like, oh, he didn't text me back in a week. Some people are so strict with their yes, no test that they would have totally written that him off. And I think that's why you have to really sit in the empowered seat when you're manifesting a partner. I trust that their true character will present. It's almost a version of anxious attachment to be like, nope, bye, like, you know, so cut and dry. Totally. Like we put these rules on ourselves. Oh, if he doesn't call back like within 24 hours or 48 hours after a date, like next. And it's just like, no, people have lives. Just let it flow. Like just let it flow. That's what I wish I would have told my anxious self years ago. And I think there's a big difference between you started talking and he waited a week to text you maybe that first week. He's also establishing like, does this feel right? How does this feel for me? It's not just you're you're operating on the other end with someone who's just going to chase you, chase you, chase you. They're totally. also evaluating, does this feel like the right fit for me? So, and that's what you want. You want someone that's being intentional and doing what's best for them because it shows security and sense of self on their end as well. Totally. And I love that like when I would finally was in a relationship where I was like, hey, like 
how are you feeling about this? Do you want to like meet up again in two weeks? And he would be like, yeah, like, I think that's great. Instead of feeling like one of us was chasing the other, like it just, again, we were able to communicate and take things slow. When you hit that point where your brain started hitting the panic button of like, "Uh uh-oh, too good to be true. I don't know. This is new. How did you process through sort of that discomfort? It's really leaning up on like your growth edge. You know, we talk about that a lot more recently, actually, but this feeling of like, okay, this is brand new. This is new territory. I've never been with someone who treats me like this. It feels uncomfortable, but it's not wrong because it's everything that I want. And I'm learning to expand into this new sense of self. How did you regulate your nervous system during that time? I mean, the DIs were so great. And, and, and I look back at my list and I was like, he is hitting everything on this list. I just need to trust. And I think there's a big difference between that feeling of like a red flag where you're like, your intuition is like, ain't hard no versus like, this is uncomfortable because it's new. How does that feel for you in a somatic way? Like a eh, no, how does that register in your body? And then how does the, this is new. I just have to like, keep telling myself I'm good. I think I kind of chuckle with the, when I have these, would have these weird thoughts he's too good to be true or whatever. I feel like there was like a little bit of humor attached to it where I was like, you're being a little ridiculous. Just see where this goes versus a red flag where that would just be like a whole body. I'd feel it in my stomach. You got to get out of that. This is like more of an icky feeling. I just knew that my brain was not used to the manifestation because it never, I've never had had it before. And so I just had to kind of go through the DIs do a lot of meditation and look back on my list and just remind myself, no, this is what you want, but you've actually never experienced it. So it's a little uncomfortable. When you would go into the DIs, like what would be your favorite DI to, to soothe or to use and what any specific tools or insight when you were down in there that was helpful? I think shadow has been the biggest, I've seen the most growth after doing anything to do with shadow, even if it's just the DI or the workshop. It's looking at things about yourself that are really hard to look at. Like I avoided the shadow workshop all the time, but I knew that there was something in there that I needed to look at. And I feel like going through shadow was the most eye-opening for me. Yeah, that's funny. This is the second person this week who's mentioned shadow and the transformation they've had after it. So I feel like now I'm getting the feeling that I should go back into it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like, especially when I started this work, like I was like, I'm going to do the love one because I don't need to do the shadow workshop. And it's like, no, you need to do that one. (laughs) You should probably do that one first because it's going to come up at some point. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think it's easier to say, okay, inner child, got it. This is the dynamic with my parents. And this is why I'm like this. It's almost like a little bit more of a compassionate lens at it. When you look at shadow, you have to acknowledge the things that you don't want to see or that you've been running from or hiding from that whole time. And I think that can be really, really hard for people. Yes, but I think the the harder something is, like the more growth you're gonna have with this process.
So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child, and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. Okay, so at what point in dating did it click where you're like, oh my gosh, this is my person. Like he's here. I've I've got him. We (laughs) we manifested him. (laughs) I think the difference was like, and I feel that I feel like this with like all of my manifestations, there's just this calmness and peace about it where I just know, even in the beginning, like we had our tests and arguments and we're not perfect. But I just remember being like, this guy's never leaving me. He's staying here. We're going to work through everything that comes up. And I think it was just that like calmness before if I was if I was in a relationship and like things, you know, we got an argument or something like my anxious attachment was like, he's going to leave me. He's not going to choose me. I'm not worth it for him to look at this. But with Adamo, it was probably like three or four months in where I was like, wow, he's not going anywhere. That's such a secure feeling. Yes. And I was like, this sucks, whatever we're fighting about. But I just know that we can have like a mature conversation about it. And I wasn't worried he'd leave. I think that's such an important factor for people who are assessing out relationships too. If you are feeling like one isolated incident or one fight or blah, blah, blah is going to shake the boat so much that they're going to leave or that you're at your own rock bottom or whatever, and they're going to leave, is that lack of security not there in the relationship? Or there's also with the anxious attachment, are you still looping on that lack of security too? And until you can get to a secure place, then you can evaluate, are we at a secure place where I can have these spectrums of emotions and we can have arguments knowing we still have each other underneath of it? And I think like I had to get to that point. One, I found a partner who was secure, but I think I had to get to that point on my own with TBM. And then talk a little bit about 
your wedding planning manifestation because that was really expansive for me as someone who is <laughs> dragging their feet planning their wedding. What specifically were you looking for and how did you get expansion of how it would be possible? So I was never that girl who was like, I, this is where my dream wedding is going to be. This is what my dress is going to look like. I didn't really have an idea of like where or how it was going to look like. But I had been a bridesmaid like 12 times and I used to photograph weddings. So I had been to a ton of weddings and I was always so inspired by them for many different reasons. And I think the biggest takeaway for me with a wedding is I was just like, okay, all of these people are coming to celebrate you. You're never going to have all of these people in the same room again. I want it to be like an experience, not only for me, but for them. So that's kind of where I started. And I realized with living in Jackson Hole, we live in a resort town. So having it anywhere was going to be a destination for someone. We had some kind of hiccups with, we got engaged in December and the Jackson Hole airport was closed for like a month and a half in the summer. So like when I started looking for venues, it was really, really limited there was so much rollover from like COVID brides still for 2022. So we just kind of were like, okay, like where are some other options we could look? And my dad had, my dad used to live in Ireland and like months before, before Adamo even asked him if we could get married, my dad had sent me from a fishing lodge in Ireland. He had talked to the wedding planner there, like just randomly. Aww. And he put me in touch with her and she had sent me like their wedding package and I was just blown away by how much more affordable it was than getting married here. That was in the back of my head of like, well, we could do it in Ireland and it'd be this amazing experience for so much cheaper. So we kind of thought about Italy because his family's there. And then we just, I just kept going, coming back to Ireland and, you know, Google is amazing. And I found all of these different venues and just looked at all. And when I'm like focused on something, I like kind of dive in and research the hell out of it. And I found a planner, I found a venue and it was just kind of like the dates were available. Like everything was kind of easy about it. And I was like, okay, wait, should we like get married in Ireland? This is, has a tie to my family. And it was post COVID. And I like kind of knew that I wanted people to travel again. Like I travel so important to me and to my husband and we just kind of wanted to create that experience for people after two years of, you know, being in the lockdown. And then just, I don't know, everything just kind of was really, there was so much ease around it that made it so special. What do you think was the key to that ease coming through? Was there a certain mindset you had to have about it? Was it just relinquishing the control that, okay, it has to be in the States? Was it hard to make the decision to go abroad knowing that, well, what if it's harder for people to travel, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I think like I was expanded a lot because I'm like one of the last of my friends to get married. And when we got engaged, so many people were like, do what you want. There are going to be so many opinions and so many thoughts about where you should get married and when you should get married and how you should get married. But like, do what feels right to you. So when we started kind of going down this journey, I was just like, finding this venue was like really easy. Okay, let's look at like how much tickets are going to be for people for the East Coast to come to Jackson Hole versus flying to Dublin. And like, they were so much cheaper for whatever reason. And 
I, I don't know. It was just like everything. I was like, people are going to come. Like, I trust that they're going to come because when they're going to look at these prices, they're going to be like, okay, this trip actually isn't as insanely as expensive as it would be to come to Jackson Hole. I would, I kept looking into things and like, it'd be easy. Let's keep going. I'm setting that as my intention now. Everything, the venue comes to me. All right. <laughs> yes. Or like, I just remember like the venue date wasn't available and I wasn't really set on like a certain date. I just wanted to get married in 2022. The date we really wanted, September 16th, you know, they were like, sorry, it's not available. And I was like, oh, bummer. We'll do it like at end of October. It'll just be like a little, it won't be a summer wedding. It'll be more of a fall wedding. And then they called me like two days later and they're like, actually, it became available. Do you want it? Whoa. And I was like, yeah. Weird things like that where I was like, okay, this is easy. This must mean it's right. And I can imagine like you have done so much work on your subconscious about you choosing you, you are chosen, feeling that secure attachment, like healing the anxious attachment, moving through so much stuff that it's like you're not going to hit any obstacles in that process. That's when you can be in the surrender because you've done so much work leading up to it. Totally. With the wedding, it was like, okay, I'm choosing, well, we're choosing what's important to us. The people will get there if they can. And if they can't, that's okay too. Choose what you want. The people will come or they won't come. And like, that's okay too. Yeah. That is definitely for myself, a mental block where I'm trying to micromanage who's having the baby next and when are they due? Like, can they come at this time? Like I'm trying to do the math of like, well, what's the best time that all these people can get there? You really nailed it. I have to get to the place of like, okay, I trust that whoever is meant to come and able to celebrate will. And if they can't come, it's okay. The day will not be ruined. Yeah. My best friend had a baby six weeks before my wedding. And I, you know, I told her I was engaged. And then like a week later, she told me she was having a baby and she was due around that time. And the baby ended up coming early And I was like, there's no way that she's coming. And I was, I had to kind of mourn that my best friend wasn't going to be there, but I was okay with it. And then she ended up coming. Wow. Yeah. And had a great time. And like, she left the baby and I was just like, so touched by it. So the people who are supposed to be there will be there. And the people who can't be there, they're still going to be there in spirit. And we felt so much love, like from the people who couldn't make it as well. I was never like upset that they weren't there. And it actually worked out numbers wise because in the castle. The castle. So in the exciting. Castle, <laughs> we could only have 120 people in the main room. Otherwise, the other flow would have to go into the to the dance room. And we would have had to ask people to get up from their table so they could take the tables out. I think we had like 180 coming and it was all going to fit. But then it whittled down to 120. It was literally like the number just to have everyone in that main room. And it made it so intimate and special. So... It all works out like how it's supposed to with weddings. I'm a firm believer on that. So you do what you want to do, Jessica. You're expanding me right now in this very second. (laughs) Girl, if you need a castle venue, I got you. (laughs) Thank you. I was like, okay, do I, I need to like update my passport. It's expired. Like I need to get this stuff moving. (laughs) Well, it will work out and it'll be amazing. And it'll be the best day of your life and... Enjoy the process too, because like even the beginning planning stages, like you don't get that back. Yes. Okay. And one other piece I want to kind of touch on too is how did you utilize some of the TBM work to make it your own? Were there things that you did differently or 
you thought you had to do it in this way, but you realize doing it this way is actually more beneficial or more effective for you. Yeah. And you had asked me like, what advice would you give your inner child? And I kind of thought about that more. And I think for me, like with TBM, doing the workshops was very beneficial and doing the journaling. It's extra time and effort, but I think so much flows out of you when you're journaling before and after the DIs. So I would focus on doing a workshop. And then after that, I have a list in my phone of expanders, tests, triggers, all the manifestations have come in big or small. And so I'd look at that often. For me, like my process, when I know something's getting close is I can tend to get a little anxious and I like start worrying about like, is it coming? Like, I don't know, maybe I need to do more work. Maybe I need to like do that workshop over again. Or like, I have to focus on this all, all the time. And it's like, no, you actually can take a break from it. Let the universe do its thing. And if things popped up, like in that time, like after I would do the workshop and kind of take a break, I would check in with like a DI and be like, okay, this theme keeps happening this week. So like, I obviously need to look at it and it could be something big or it could be something small, but I would just kind of give myself that grace to be like, okay, I'm going to check in here. And then I'm going to kind of continue on with my life. And I'm just going to keep taking notes of like things that are coming through or tests that are coming up. And then it would usually be like, bam, the element of letting go or surrendering and trust is a big part of this as well. You have to trust that you've put in the work and you've unblocked and you've reprogrammed. And then it's like, just let the universe do its thing. I think that's such an important distinction I definitely have even been there myself where it's like, I'm getting so many close call tests or things that are almost right there. It's so close. I just want it now. Let me like go in and do it. Like, what is the block? Gotta pull. What else can we do? Yeah. Like what, what must be the problem? I gotta go in and why is it not here right now? And then it's, it's, you know, that is the dog paddling energy. You know, that's the anxious energy and that's actually pulling you further almost away from it. We can be our own tests sometimes. That energetic that you're in of this like dog paddling, if I just do another DI and another another workshop, like it'll come in next week, chill out again. And that's how I showed up in dating. It was like, chill out, Megan, chill out. You've done the work. You need to trust that like what you've put out there is orbiting you and it's going to come in when it's supposed to. Like I also believe in divine timing and it's going to come and it's when it comes, it's going to be so easy, so aligned and so smooth and like a calmness around it. We can get in our own heads about about it and become our own test almost. Couldn't agree more. The way to navigate when you're in that space where you're like, it's so close, you know, I don't want to lose it, whatever. Like you're saying, enjoy life, step into your authenticity, what brings you joy, keep living life. And then if you want to do some unblocking, just take a peek at what's popping up. You don't need to like go searching for a new block or a new angle from it. Just take a peek. What's coming up right now? Great. I can like touch in and unblock there. But other than that, you're good. Yeah. And I feel like those little kind of like touch in points, they didn't even really have anything to do with my manifestation. So I would check in with that and it was just like, okay, it's whole, like I'm, I'm complete. I feel like the thing is it's close and I just need to chill out and trust that it's coming. Looking back of when I manifested my husband and meeting him, I was such in the surrender state because it was COVID. My family was here. No one knows what's going to happen. And so I just kind of forced me into this space of like, 
I'm just going to focus on my family and being outside in nature and work. And that's, of course, when it came through, when you're not looking for it, honestly. We say this a lot, but I th- I really want people to listen to that and think about that and think about times when you haven't been overly obsessed or concerned with something, that feeling of presence, that feeling of being really in the moment and, okay, let me just see what comes up, what presents, what presents, and be curious about living in that. And then you'd be so surprised how things kind of come to you after. I love how you said like being curious about it because the work never stops, right? It's not like you just do a couple workshops and DIs and then it's like, I'll just wait until my manifestation comes through. You, I guess you could do that, but life continues to happen and we still have like so much more to unblock. So it's just kind of being curious of like, okay, why does this keep happening at, with this dynamic at work? Maybe I should look at this and it might not have anything to do with your manifestation, but I still think it's like you're still reprogramming and doing the work gently, It may not directly seem like it has to do with your manifestation, but if your self-worth in relation to whatever you're calling in needs to be on the same level, even if it's bolstering your self-worth in maybe another sector, it's still bolstering your self-worth. It's reminding you of your worth. Exactly. Did you find, I keep getting a ping to ask you about this, did you find any connection with career or money during this time? I mean, looking back, like, you know, when COVID happened, I and I'm a realtor, no one was selling anything for months when it first started. So I was just like, is this what I'm still going to do? Like it was crickets. My dating life was also crickets because it was COVID. And when I met Adamo that same week was when there was this massive shift with people just moving to mountain towns. And it was just like, oh, okay, real estate's about to blow up. And so that the timing of that like aligned. And I do feel like in our relationship still today, when we have things that we need to work on and I take them through TBM and it's usually inner child stuff and I do the work and around our relationship, like something big will come. It's almost like a reward. I'll have a money reward after it. I've had so many money things flow in after like doing this work. It's, it's mind boggling, honestly. But yes, I have seen the love and money connection for sure. But sometimes the love and money connection is not just with your partner. I've seen it with like family and friends too. Yeah, that sense of love for someone else as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just remembering now the one piece that you had on your list, which was him having a certain salary and he didn't quite meet that. How did you contextualize that and sort of shift that? So I remember I had met with Amanda before I met him. And we had a great coaching session. And I remember what she told me, which has been so profound for me for this work, is that when you make your list, give it a couple days and then go back and look at everything and actually write out the why for each thing. That kind of shakes things out. You know, you're like, ah, that's kind of more from an ego space. I don't really actually really need that versus like your core needs and not feeling bad about those core needs. So I remember that I put... I wanted him to make $200,000, my partner to make $200,000 a year. And I remember feeling bad about that. That's a lot of money. Like I had shadow around feeling greedy or whatever, but then I was like sat with it and I was like, no, this will provide a comfortable life and security. So I met him and he basically hit everything on my list, but he did not hit that number. And I remember going to Amanda and being like, 
he's everything on my list, but this, and this is like a core need for me. This is like important. And I was like, he's not my guy. Right. And she's like, well, why do you need that? Like, maybe you can make that much money. And I remember in some video, Lacey talking about when she called in her partner, something similar happened where she ended up making that much money that year. And so anyways, fast forward to tax season, (laughs) I had to like, you know, work with my accountant. And I was just like, oh my God, I made more than that. I made that for myself. So I thought that was really wild how that kind of manifested with my partner. There was something on that list that I wanted within myself that I was able to obtain. I mean, I think that's so expansive for anyone out there who's, you know, and and it's also like changing the stereotypes and the relational dynamics because if you are looking for your partner to provide something for you, yes, that need for security is real. That's authentic to you. You're allowed to want that. You're allowed to call that in. But I think with everything on our list, how can we take a look at it and say, can I provide this for myself now? You know, why do I have to wait for my partner to be at this income level? I can just get to this income level. Totally. At the time, I didn't think I could do that. But then looking back on it, it's like, okay, yeah, I wanted all those security things with finances, but like, oh, wait, I can, I can do that myself. And I was able to do it. And I think that was like the biggest love money connection. Because you chose you and you can provide for you. Totally. I chose myself and I was like, if someone, you know, needs a partner that they don't want to work and like they need their partner to make that much money, I think that's great. But like, for me, I, I realized like, oh, actually, like I enjoy making my own money and I enjoy the security that I provide myself. I chose myself and it was just wild how that happened because I really wasn't tracking like how much money I made. And then I talked to my accountant and I was like, wait a minute, this is the missing piece on my list. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. What about the pregnancy manifestation? Any tips for anyone yeah. who may be calling in? their first or second or third or fourth or fifth, whatever they're calling in, navigating that? I mean, I think it's tricky with fertility, but something that was really empowering for me before I met Adama, which I put, um, I think I told you this, but I decided about a year after doing TBM work that I was going to freeze my eggs. It was really scary for me to be like, okay, I'm at this point where I need to do this. Like maybe I'll be doing this alone. I want a family. That's so important to me. And so I started that process and even just getting my eggs tested was so empowering for me. And I realized, oh, okay, like I do have like a good egg count. This might not be quote unquote, like hard when the time comes and I can do this and have this like backup plan. Well, that all went to shit when COVID happened because my surgery was canceled and that kind of like threw me into this magic dark. But the whole time I've been like, I want a partner who also wants children and who wants them soon. We obviously discussed it often and he's been on the same page. And yeah, I mean, I think like we, I feel like Lacey talks about like kind of a spirit baby kind of orbiting her. And I kind of started to feel that when we were getting closer to our wedding. And so I put on my, on my manifestation challenge list, I was like, I just really want like an easy, healthy pregnancy. And it happened right away. And I feel very grateful for that. And now I'm manifesting an easy, healthy delivery because I realized that I have a lot of fear around that process that I need to kind of like unblock. But 
if you're not, if I think if you're single and you really want to have children, like look into other options. And I think like me just, I, I didn't end up freezing my eggs, but I think showing the universe that I was like, no, I'm taking this really seriously. And I'm going to like get tested and just start this process on my own. I think it was like, oh, okay, okay. We'll find you someone who also wants to have a baby with you in this time frame. So it worked out. I think it's so important to know, and this is actually a very similar pattern that happened with Heather. When you do so much unblocking to a certain point, a certain theme, especially around a core wound, like being chosen, so much ease can flow through on the other side. So I don't want someone hearing this to be like, oh, she manifested the wedding with ease and then a baby with ease. Where's all the nitty gritty stuff? It's like she already worked through it you already looked at it. You have been pulling that apart time and time and time and time again. Like you were about to freeze your eggs. The work was put in. And when you can put that work in, that's when things can come through with ease, like you're saying. Totally. And like we were talking about, things still come up. I still am working through nitty gritty things. They're all the same core wound, you know, that I discovered when I started this work, but like they still come up. And so being curious and working through those things on the regular is still really, really important. It's an ongoing thing. So it's almost like you excavated a deep amount and then now it's like, cool, I got the new neural pathway. I I know I'm chosen. Let's start anytime my reality mirrors something less than that. I know I can go in and strengthen that neural pathway and strengthen it and strengthen it and strengthen it. And things are, things can still be hard, but I think those are the ones that like, I just need another layer that I really need to pull back here and like, look at it. But I feel like I, for me, have noticed not just like when the manifestations come through, because those are like beautiful and you're like, oh my gosh, the thing that I like dreamt of is here. But I know that the work is working for me when like these things that used to trigger me or certain people or situations or whatever, where I'd be like, oh my God, I'm like so cringe. I can't handle this situation. They don't, they, they still get presented to me, but I'm like waiting for, <laughs> waiting for the anxiety to come up or like the fear of the trigger. And it just doesn't, I have reprogrammed that. Absolutely. And I think that's a good note for people who are like, did I do enough here? How do I know it's working? That's how, you know, it's not going to have that activation that it used to have. Totally. You're just like, oh, okay. That's interesting. Moving on. Isn't that wild? Like, I think that's the great, I, especially with blocks from years ago that I've moved through, I'm like, I never thought I could not feel triggered by this. I thought I would always be irritated by this dynamic. And now it's like, whatever. I know. And I like, there are situations where I'm like waiting for it to happen and I'll be like, okay, it's not coming. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's wild. You're just like, wow, that used to really bother me. And now it doesn't. That's growth. Absolutely. Okay, closing note, what is one thing that you would tell, you would tell someone who maybe is listening to the podcast, but not in the TBM work yet? And they're like, I think maybe it could help me, but I don't really know. Or yeah, what would you tell that person who's on the fence? I think just again, get curious, start listening to the podcast. Everyone is on their own time frame with this. I think that's really important. Don't take it on all at once. But I think once you start dabbling in it and you start to see these things slowly 
and eat just the little things like pop up and you're like, well, this is kind of magical. Yes. You're just naturally going to be like, I want more of this. I want to, I want to keep doing this work. I want to investigate these things. But I also think it's important that the things that feel hardest to look at, you should probably just bite your lip and do it. Just having awareness around these things, recognizing things is so big and then like slowly work into it. I think it's a lot for people, but I like what you said that just kind of jump in, just start, have, a, have an abundance mindset about it. Utilize the tools that speak to you in the moment. That's what I love about it is that no matter what phase of life I'm in, there is something that can support me. And then you can be in community with people who are doing that. Totally. I think the community is, is really awesome and talking to people who do it and who have done it before you is really important. I mean, like our little TBM group, there were people in there who hadn't started the work for like a year, year and a half, but they just kept showing up because they were so interested in it. Yeah. How did you guys, everyone's always asking about magnetic meetup groups. And I think you guys have such a beautiful one in Jackson Hole. How did you all find each other connect? The core group is just like good friends of mine who I'd introduced this work to. We knew each other personally. So it was kind of like, okay, I see what you're going through in your life. And I see how this work is helping you and like where you could focus on. And so we just kind of ex kept expanding our little group. And so we would kind of just reach out to people and be like, hey, like we're going to meet if you want to meet, that'd be cool. And I think it's just a really beautiful thing. And it's mainly women, you know, talking about the process. And again, it's like people at different stages with it. So I think that's really, really helpful to have friends who are also doing this work because you can talk shop and, and support each other because you're all going through different things, right? A hundred percent. I think that can take the process to the next level because it holds you accountable and also helps you recognize your blind spots. If you're going through it so siloed by yourself, you know, that's why I'm so thankful Daniel does the work. So I have someone literally in my home where I can be like, hey, wait, is this chair a test <laughs> or what's coming yeah. up here? Should I hold out? And he'll be like, oh, girl, yes. let me tell you. So helpful. And I think it's great too, because like, they'll be like, you've been here before. You were here, you had a similar dynamic, like with someone at work a couple months ago. And you're like, damn it, you're right. But like, you can't see it when you're in it. But I think having accountability and friends has been really helpful. And I mean, there are like, there are TBM groups all over the country. Yeah. So if anyone's curious, we have a magnetic meetup portal in our community group where you can go and like find people in your area. Even if you do digital ones, like I highly recommend people do like a Zoom meetup, you know, once a month with a few people who are manifesting similar things or even opposite things. So you guys can get different feedback. I think that is a part of this process that can really take it to the next level and help ingrain it in a different way. And sometimes it's nice when you don't know the person because they're, you're going to see things like in a totally different lens than they would. And they're going to see that about you too. And you're like, wow, I never thought of it that way, but that's like a really good angle that maybe I should like be looking at. Oh, this is so good. Thank you so much, Megan. This has been so fun. I'm so over the moon for all of your beautiful manifestations and feel so expanded by you. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, I'm just like loving how we manifested a friendship yes. and I know the, it's just crazy. So, well, thank you so much and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 
Thank you so much for tuning into the episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this, you'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ community, our BIPOC, as well as the WISE, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week.